Yo, 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 what's good? What's good? It's your boy, S. Foster, back for another episode of 28 Minutes or Less. And uh, this is episode 110 of the podcast, the first podcast of the new year, actually recording this on New Year's Day. I'm not a huge, you know, happy new year type of person, but, you know, for the sake of the podcast, happy new year to everyone. Hope everyone had a good 2022 transitioning into 2023. Hope that this is a good big year for everyone. So moving on. Today, my subject matter is right people in the room. All right. Um, I want to single out three of my favorite films. I might mention a fourth, but three of my favorite films I want to put out there now some of the some of the arguments are going to go against me but when you look at the whole broad view of the whole thing I'm going to make my point and what I mean by right people in the room is if you listen to I even say it on this podcast but if you listen to viewers anonymous with me and my guy Scoots Bronson I mention this a lot and when we're talking about awards when it comes to certain movies like we all know the academy awards the oscars we all know that that is the one that is singled out as the most prestigious award that there is when it comes to films right and we had the whole thing of oscar so white and you know black people should boycott it go where you celebrate it and all of that type stuff which i am completely with the argument of go where you appreciate it like if you are getting nominated for you know the NCAACP film award or the black film festival and all of these other black you know institutions that celebrate film work then no matter how big you are as an actor or actress you should go for the simple fact of the whole saying of go where you are appreciated. But the reason why I'm making a big deal out of it right now, and the reason I mention it is because what being like, it's to the point where you don't even necessarily have to win. If you're nominated, your pay scale goes up. That's just like Grammy nominated, such and such. Yesterday's price is not today's price. And that's what the Oscars and the Academy do for you. Like in those negotiating rooms, it gets you to a higher standpoint where you can say, yo, my film or, you know, a film that I was associated with or whatever the case may be, you can say, yo, I am Academy nominated. I am Oscar nominated. So that means that my price should go up. That's the deal that I'm making right now. That's the point that I'm trying to put out there to the people. And this is why I always tend to bash these things is because the movies that I appreciate the most and a lot of the movies that I like the most are movies that are not nominated and don't even have consideration of even being nominated in really any categories. I went and did the research on these movies and that wasn't nominated for anything like sound, soundtrack, 
visuals, nothing. Like nothing, no um, supporting actor, actress, none of that. Like they didn't get anything, they didn't get recognized at all for these awards. So the first film that I am going to mention, and I know at the year that it came out in the best picture that won that year, it should have won. So this may work against me, but also at the same time, there are one, two, three, four, five, there are five films that are mentioned. And the first film that I want to mention, I did a podcast on this, 1998, The Negotiator. You know what I'm saying? Well, my boy Sam Mayo, Kevin Spacey. Um, this is one of the greatest films I've ever seen. It's, to me, damn near flawless. Um, you got a Paul Giamatti who's not even, I guess he would be considered somewhat of a supporting actor in this film, but they did really good with the people that they chose to be in this film. Directed by one of the greatest directors, I don't give a shit what anybody say, he's one of the greatest directors to ever get out there and I'm going to plead my case when I'm speaking about this guy because of the person that won that year. Now, in 1998, the film and the person that won was the Titanic, James Cameron. Now, Titanic should have won, all right? When, when you put everything in consideration of what Titanic meant and what it did, the numbers that it did, for it taking James, this is the film, in my opinion, that took James Cameron to that next level to where he can do the two Avatar movies and get the budget that he's getting for these movies. Like James Cameron has elevated to a point where he's getting 200 to $500 million for a film. When you look at a guy like F. Gary Gray, who directed The Negotiator, well, everyone know what his first film was. Well, maybe not everyone, so let me not say that. His first film, that he directed was Friday. Now, when you look at the budget and, and then think about it, it only took them like two weeks or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of stories that go along with it. Like it's starting to come out, the pay that people got and all that type stuff. Um, Chris Tucker came out, he spoke. Cause I think John Witherspoon said something like he got $2,500 or something like that. And Chris Tucker was like, I got like 5,000 or whatever the case may be. But what that film did for them is when you talk about somebody like Chris Tucker, it got him to go on and do a movie like Money Talks, where he is the, the main character, also is a producer on the movie and all that type stuff. So Friday was more of a movie that you do it for the look, you don't do it for the cash, right? And it was really an idea that Ice Cube and DJ Pooh had was like, yo, let's put this get let's put this movie together, let's write it, let's shoot it in like two days. It's a movie about this neighborhood bully, whatever, whatever. But F. Gary Gray directed this movie. And it took him to another level. You know what I'm saying? To do stuff like the negotiator, you know, to do things like um uh, a law-abiding citizen, to do those type things. And with that being said, F. Gary Gray do not get the type of budgets that a James Cameron get. Now, do we think that he don't have the, the, the right amount of ideas or whatever the case may be? I don't think that's the case. 
but you also have to realize that these guys are doing the most with the least and they're putting out great content. And when I look at the negotiator, to me, it's, it's, it's a flawless movie. Like, I, I honestly don't find anything wrong with it. Now, F. Gary Gray and Sam both was, they got Black Film Awards. Uh, I can't remember exactly what those awards was called. But just think, if F. Gary Gray is a guy, let, let's say they give him 15 to 20 million for a film. So you also got to consider everything that goes into that 15 to 20 million. That money can get gone really fast. So there's things that you may have to cut out. There's the things that you may not be able to do for the simple fact of you're not getting that cash flow like a guy like a James Cameron. But the reason James Cameron can get that is because he's Oscar Academy nominated. You see what I'm saying? So when you look at the other stuff, like as good as it gets, I know that's a movie a lot of people, I'm, I, I don't, I've never seen it. I know who's in it and I've seen like trailers and stuff like that. It didn't pique my interest. Ne Negotiator definitely could have uh, went in for that. Uh, the Full Monty, never heard of it. Never heard of it. Goodwill Hunting. Now, Goodwill Hunting is a movie that is highly regarded and I understand why it's highly regarded. And another movie is L.A. Confidential. Now, I've seen L.A. Confidential. I, I don't think L L.A. Confidential was that good. I think the actors and actresses that played in that movie, that movie was supposed to be good. But to me, it was cool. It wasn't all of that. So, in my personal opinion, The Negotiator is something that could have definitely been in there. And to also think the performance that Sam put on in this this was one of those ones where the Academy missed. You also got to understand, Sam never won an Oscar up until they gave him the, that, the one that they gave him for um, a lifetime achievement, basically. And all that was really saying is, we, all of those great performances that you put on, we, we fucked up, basically. So we're going to give you an Oscar and basically lifetime, lifetime achievement, the thing, because we missed out on all the opportunities to give it to you. And that's what I mean by having the right people in the room. When you think about the people that are voting for these movies, let's be honest. And this is not a shot, and I'm not saying this with no disrespect, but a lot of the times it's older white men who probably never even gave these movies a shot. You know, when it, they probably didn't even really know who F. Gary Gray even was at this time, even though he was building his resume. And when you look at the culture, when you look at the black community, a lot of films that we highly regard never get these these type of looks. And the reason why I always say, like, yo, I don't give a shit about them is because I don't take anything away from the film. I don't take anything away from that because they was able to put together a great body of work with not a lot of money and not a lot of support. And they was able to put something together that is great because to me, the script is great. The casting was great. The visuals was great. The way that they shot it, everything was dope about this movie. And it's one of my top five movies of all time. And I know that it's not all about my opinion. I understand that. But 
what disappoints me is the fact of these people not getting that tag. Because when you get that tag, you go into that room, yo, we'll give you 15, 20 million. Yo, I'm Oscar nominated. Let's take this number to 50 to 75. You know what I'm saying? And that gives you leeway to start doing more things. You know what I'm saying? Because when you look at credits in movies, like catering is in there, makeup is in there, um, you know, hairdressers, like assistants, the cameraman, you know, like there, there are a lot like transportation. There's a lot of stuff that's involved. Also city permits where being able to shut down a block and you know what I'm saying? To be able to blow up cars and all this type of stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff that's included in that. And that's what I mean by not being nominated for some of the stuff to be able to, to push your price tag up. Because when you have a great film like The Negotiator and it's not nominated by, you know, one of these types of institutions, it's just a great body of work that's not getting the recognition that it should get in my opinion. So that's my thing with that. And that's why I feel a person like James Cameron is on the level that he is. Don't get me wrong, James Cameron, he's, he's great, all right? Don't get me wrong, he's great. But at the end of the day, a guy like F. Gary Gray is special. He's a special talent and he don't get the recognition that he should. And it's because, unfortunately, he's not nominated for any Oscars. Now, he has, you know, he has a star on the Walk of Fame, but a lot of people have the star on the Walk of Fame. Um, but it was also great to see him get that recognition as well for also the, the work that he's done in uh, rap videos and uh, really any kind of videos, because, you know, that's where he started. He started doing videos and then he took it to the big screen. So... Another movie that I want to mention, um, I've done a podcast on this as well, and it's, it's in my top five movies, The Bone Collector. Now, the cast is more diverse, um, but the main character is Denzel Washington. And we all know Denzel Washington did not win Best Actor until Training Day, um, which was the mid-2000s, maybe like 2007-ish, somewhere around up in there. Um, but, you know, Angelina Jolie as O'Neal. I mean, there's there's a lot of great characters. Well, great actors and actresses that's in this movie as well. Um, to me, this movie was flawless. Um, to take the story from a book, um, a mystery book, where a guy was, you know, seeking his revenge on Lincoln Rhyme because he was, in his opinion, falsely accused and arrested and served time that he felt that he did not deserve because of evidence that Lincoln Ryan was able to build up against him. He, he went to jail as a cop. He got raped, mutilated, all that type shit in jail. And so he put together all of these um, crimes uh, from a book. And what I loved about this movie the most was like most of the, the flashbacks of when he was thinking and just how brilliant his mind was. And when I sit back and I look at the movies that came out that year, okay, The Thin Red Line, get that out of here. 
You know what I'm saying? Um, saving Private Ryan. To me, look, Spielberg, I get it. But Saving Private Ryan is not even in my top five war movies of all time. All right? We know it's Tom Hanks, it's, it's Steven Spielberg. I get all of that. That's cool. But in my personal opinion, it's, it's, it's good, but could the bone collector replace it? Yes. Life is beautiful. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. So you can put the, the bone collector could replace that. Elizabeth. I get the whole stuff about Elizabeth. Um, I am aware of her story for the simple fact of I'm a huge advocate of the, the tutors. Couldn't remember the name of it. The tutors, uh, which was about the life of King Henry VIII, who's someone I'm very fascinated about. And Elizabeth is his second daughter who took over after Mary. And one of the things that she did, which make her um, one of those rulers who stood out is because she wanted full power. So she didn't marry anyone for the simple fact that she knew the times and she knew that if a man, cause she saw what happened with her sister Mary, even though Mary was, she had rank on him, but he was a man. So, for the simple fact of him being a man, he can make executive decisions. So Elizabeth was like, I don't want anyone to be able to make decisions over me. So she decided not to get married and ruled in the way that she wanted to rule. So I get the whole thing about Elizabeth. I understand all of that. Um, did I see this film, this particular film? I did not. So it's hard to say. Shakespeare in Love was actually the winner that year. I am sick of Shakespeare movies, all right? It's an old ass story. It would never relate to today, but for some odd reason, they keep putting these films out and they're trying to modernize it and whatever. I get it. I know William Shakespeare was supposed to be the, the king of writers and all of this type shit. I get, I get the pastique of it. I don't give a shit, all right? The Bone Collector is one of the greatest movies to ever come out and to be put on film. You got Denzel Washington giving you one of the best performances from a bed, you know what I'm saying? He didn't even get out of the bed. He was in a wheelchair one time and it showed one scene where he got injured, where he was down in that thing and the thing actually fell down and crushed him. Other than that, he was in his bed. Other than when he closed the thing down on the dude's head and the dude pulled him out of the bed and he hit the floor. But that's it. He gave you one of the all-time performances in a bed. So, a guy like Denzel, he, he never needed it. His talent overseeded the Oscars. Now, don't get me wrong. At this time, he had an Oscar. He won Best Supporting Actor from Glory. So, he was able to get his price tag up. So, Denzel didn't have these problems. You know what I'm saying? Like a Sam may have had or F. Gary Gray may have had. So he was able to oversee that for the simple fact of already winning the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in the movie Glory. So yeah, so this one is what it is, but at the same time, when I look at that lineup, The Bone Collector is definitely the best movie of 1999 for me, but it won't get mentioned. So that's another film that I wanted to mention. Another one, 
that's in my top five movies of all time. And this movie really gives you everything. But I mentioned it before, but Dead Presidents, right? Now, Dead Presidents really give you everything. It gives you everything. And the movie that won did too, but this gives you something that the, the movie that won that you didn't give you. This movie gave you the black experience. And this is what I mean by having the people in the room, the people to be able to read a room. And for the simple fact of this movie is about, you know, a kid trying to figure out his way. He goes into the army. He gets the girl pregnant before he leaves. He serves his time, comes back. His friend is, you know, strung out on drugs and some shit got, uh, the Agent Orange shit got him as well. He can't deal with the reality of, of the things that he done over there. And at the end of the day, he's dealing with his girl and she's not set being satisfied. The one thing that really relatable in this film that a lot of people just won't tend to understand unless you experienced it is when he came back from the war, he didn't go see his baby first. He didn't go see his baby moms. You know what I'm saying? He went to his mom's house, his parents' house, excuse me, and he searched for a job. He waited till he got a job. He got a job, then he went to go see his girl. I really think about that. You know what I'm saying? He dealt with a dude who ran numbers, um, and then he had to deal with the dude, the pimp dude that was, uh, you know what I'm saying, smashing his girl when he was gone, and he keep throwing little, you know what I'm saying, slick shots at him. It's, it's, it's just like, you know what I'm saying? It's a great film. And the, 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 the depictions of the Vietnam War was, it's some of the greatest shit you have ever seen. Like the only movie that can compare to the Vietnam section of this movie is my number one movie, Platoon. Um, my number one war movies. Um, I did a podcast on that. Platoon gave you a great depiction of it. And I think another reason why I did is because it was uh, directed uh, by Oliver Stone. And Oliver Stone was actually in the Vietnam War. So, you know, he was giving you the realness. And this movie gave you that as well. You know what I'm saying? And this was done by the Hughes brothers. Now the Hughes brothers, you know, they had a good time in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? They was able to do um, uh, Menace to Society. And, but they gave you, um, Menace to Society was the L.A. Watts view part, and this was the New York part that was also dealing with the war. And I think that if this movie would have been nominated, what this could have done to the Hughes Brothers. Now, the Hughes Brothers are still doing their thing out here, but when you look at, like I said earlier, what that look can give you, what being Oscar and Academy nominated could do for the Hughes Brothers. You know what I'm saying? They could go in there and be like, yo, Uh, a team might be like, yo, we'll give you 30 million for a movie. Hey, I'm Oscar nominated. You know what I'm saying? Let me get 50. Let me get 70. You know what I mean? And see, and that's what this does. And unfortunately, because the right people aren't in the room, a lot of these movies aren't getting nominated. And so these people aren't able to get the type of budgets that they need. So there may be some flaws 
in a film. But the reason there's flaws in some of these films, I mean, I didn't see one, but in the people that are quote unquote movie critics and all of this type shit, they might see certain flaws in a the movie. They might see some stuff where they're like, yo, this, this could have been done better. This could have been shot better. They could have did better with the, with the sound here or whatever the case may be. It's like, they're not getting the budgets that some of these movies are getting. And for them to all be army vets, except the one girl who was a, a militant person, she was with the Black Panthers. They went to rob um, something about the, about the government where they would pick up money and they would take it to Washington DC to go burn it. So they was like, instead of them burning it, let's just go take the money. Everybody pretty much get killed except one person and he ended up serving um, life in prison. And it's like, the story is so good. Uh, the, the, I mean, come on, the cast. You got Lorenz Tate, a young Lorenz Tate. You got Keith David. Man, you got Chris Tucker. You got Freddie Hernandez. Um, I mean, the list go on and on. Clifford Powell's in this. Terrence Howard is in this. I mean, it, it is a great film, but it did not get the recognition that it needed in 1995. Now, granted, some of these movies that I'm about to say, I understand that. In this case, I really only see two replacements because the other three are deserving that year. Shawshank on uh, the Shawshank Redemption. I get it. Trust me, I get it. Is it one of my favorite movies? No. But I can see how the Shawshank Redemption can be nominated. All right. Quiz show. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. So I don't understand. I never seen this movie, never heard of this movie. Get this movie the hell up out of here. All right. Poke Fiction. I get it. I love Poke Fiction. This is one of the movies that really took Sam L to that next level. You know what I'm saying? A guy like Bruce Willis. You got a guy like, um, uh, oh, what's my man's name? Cause this was directed by Quentin Tar Tarantino. And you know, this is one of those things that really, you know, did it for Quentin Tarantino. You also got Vin Rhymes. Couldn't, couldn't think, Vin Rhymes, excuse me, Vin Rhymes. You know what I'm saying? He was in there doing his thing. Like there was a lot of people in here. Like, and I was hearing stories about like, people were saying for some odd reason that Bruce Willis was kind of like falling off at that time. And when this film came out, you know, it, it really gave people like a different view of a guy like Bruce Willis. So I get Pulp Fiction being there. I understand Pulp Fiction being there. I'm not mad at it. So Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction, I'm not mad at it. Now the movie that I felt that it could have replaced was Four Weddings and a Funeral. I, I, I get it. The actors and actresses that was in that movie, understandable. But at the same time, you can get that out of here when it comes to a movie like Dead Presidents, all right? Dead Presidents was a phenomenon. It was a great film. And Four Weddings and a Funeral, you can get that up out of here. Now the movie that won that year was actually Forrest Gump. So I can't be too mad. Cause like what I said earlier, this gave you life, all that type stuff when it comes to uh, Forrest Gump. And it also gave you 
the Vietnam War as well. A lot of films was giving you different views of the Vietnam War around those times. So I completely understand that. Completely understand that. So this this is this also goes with um with the negotiator because the movie that won that year was Titanic, so it's like, all right, I get it. So maybe they wouldn't have won that year. And I feel the same way about Dead Presidents. They're not gonna win over Forrest Gump. But just the fact of it being nominated, it could take it to another level. So now I am gonna give you that bonus film. So I got one last film that I want to mention. And that I felt it could have really took a lot of shit to a different level. And that is Juice. What Juice was able to do with the young cast that it had of guys who were, I mean, look, this was, this was Omar Epps' first film. He was 17 years old, straight out of school. Tupac was brought in to do a minor role. He wasn't even really brought in, he was just really with Tretch at the time. And Tretch was uh, supposed to really be the person to play Bishop. But if you know anything about Tupac, we all know that he went to the same, you know, acting school as Jada Pickett Smith. And so we know that he had this background already. Um, he wasn't Tupac yet because Tupac the Lifted, Tupac the Lifted wasn't even out yet. So. He was He was actually doing that record, well, that album. While he was doing this, he actually played Omar Epps the uh, the song. I'm about to say the movie. The song Brenda had. Uh, Brenda got a baby. So he wasn't even really who he was at this time. But what this movie meant to people, like I'm not from New York, never been to New York. But what Juice was able to do for me, it was able to paint a picture of what that was, you know, about a group of friends and how they was down for each other and just how they were just hustling to get by, you know, skipping school, to, you know, saying to make money. You got a guy in Q who has a vision of being a DJ. Um, you know, Raheem is just, you know, getting girls, just trying to get by. Steel is just, just one of the dudes that's a part of the crew. And then you got Bishop who is just, really trying to find his way, you know what I'm saying? Dealing with what the, the things that he was dealing with with his father, dealing with the things that when he stepped outside his door, around him as and his crew kept fucking with him. Like, you see a movie of four friends and you see a movie of betrayal. And you, the movie was, the movie was so great for me in the time period that it came out, I was young. It's just one of those movies that really do it for you. And, you know, done by Ernest Dickerson and Ernest is still doing his thing, but like, just imagine if he could have been at least just nominated. You know what I'm saying? Just nominated. Um, the Prince of Tides, don't know what the fuck that is. You can get that movie the hell up out of here. Now, JFK done by Oliver Stone, it deserves to be there. You know what I'm saying? He hooked up with Kevin Costner. They did the whole JFK thing. 
uh, he actually did a JFK revisited where he got more information. Um, so he came out with this basically just documentary that was uh, speaking about, he used like clips and stuff from that movie and information that he had from that movie and was able to give you more information because the files were, there was a lot of files that were released after the fact and he was able to take those files and you know, give you JFK Revisited. So I appreciate Oliver Stone for doing that. Uh, Bugsy, never heard of it. So in my opinion, you can get it the hell up out of here. I see that Warren Beatty's in, involved in it. I understand how significant, you know, he is, but in my opinion, get it out of here. Uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast. I mean, how many Beauty and the Beast can we get? You know what I mean? How many can we get? Come on. Now the movie that won that year, I get it. I do. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not so biased that I can't admit that the movie that won that year is *The Silence of the Lambs*. All right. I understand what *Silence of the Lambs* is. I understand what it does. You know, Anthony Hopkins, Jodie Foster. Anthony Hopkins was able to make what, like, three more movies after this. Um, I think the. I can't. Oh man, I know one of them was *Red Dragon*, but um, but look, I get it. I understand that maybe Juice wouldn't have won that year. But the only thing that I'm saying is what that could have done. Um, you have a young Omar Epps. Now don't get me wrong, I know someone 17 years old is not gonna win an Oscar. I get that. But with certain people in the room, that's the only point that I'm trying to make on this podcast. With certain people being able to be in these rooms, I'm not saying it's gonna be a situation like one of the great films, 12 Angry Men, where one guy is able to convince a whole room to flip from guilty to not guilty, one by one. Well, there was one time I think two people flipped. But anyway, I don't, I'm not saying it will be a situation like that where he would, he would necessarily be able to flip a whole room. The only point that I am trying to make is with certain people in a room, you're able to just mention certain films, mention certain actors and actresses to be able to mention certain directors and producers. You're able to at least get certain people acknowledged to where people can start getting certain money, a certain amounts of money for some of these movies. That's the only point that I'm making about this today because I was speaking to my guy Scoots and I was just saying like, yo, a guy like James Cameron keep getting all of these, the, the, the budget that he's getting. Don't get me wrong, like I know when you look back for the full scope of things. You, a guy like James, a guy like Ron Howard, um, Steven Spielberg, Christopher Nolan. I understand the prestige that these guys have, uh, Quentin Tarantino, to be able to get the certain amount of money that they want. But there also are People like F. Gary Gray, Hughes Brothers, um, Ernest Dickerson, 
Now, I do think Jordan Peele, it's not unlimited. It is, it's not, it's probably not James. It's probably not James, Stephen, and Quentin. No, I wouldn't say Quentin and Christopher. I would say that Jordan Peele has gotten to a point where he could probably get Quentin Tarantino, Ron Howard type of money for some of these films. But that was just my, my purpose for this podcast was just if they're able to start getting some of the right, I don't want to, let's not say right. Let's just say just certain amount of people in these rooms, even in these critic rooms. Like I, I, I don't think some of these critics should be some of the critics that they are because I think that they are biased. Now, do I have some biases? I have a few, but then at the same time, I'm able to sit down and watch so many different types of films. Like, you know, The Zodiac would be in my top five, top 10 movies. Um, Inception, which got recognized in those movies, would, um, would also be in there. A movie like Spotlight, which got recognized, uh, actually won. Um, so I, I, I'm able to, don't get me wrong, I love grown up movies. I know that kind of sounds weird, but when you look at movies like like Marvel movies, they're not necessarily grown-up movies. You know what I mean? Like, and what I mean by that is the content of it. And like these movies that I mentioned today, other than Juice, I don't know Juice was more of a teenage, you know what I'm saying, early 20s type of movie. But these movies that I'm mentioning are grown-up movies. You know what I'm saying? With the plot that you got to pay attention to where you can't be looking at your phone because you're gonna miss something. Like, that's what I call grown-up movies. Movies that you have to put your short attention span down and actually pay attention and appreciate great content. And there are people out there that can give you great content, but they have to give it to you with the least amount of materials and money because the right people aren't in a room to nominate them for Oscars, Academy type of things so where you can start getting that money. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing in music. Some people aren't getting the type of budgets because they're not getting nominated for Grammys and they're not able to go into these rooms and have their, uh, not their lawyers, but their agents and stuff like that to be able to go into these rooms and be like, yo, yesterday's price is not today's price. You know why? Because we got nominated. So the prices aren't the same. That's my only, that's the only message that I wanted to get out on this podcast was that these type of things matter and it also goes in promotion if you're only getting 15 million for a movie you may have to cut certain shit out because it's like yo I'm gonna need at least a meal to promote this movie now I know it's a little bit different now because you have social media but all the movies that I mentioned today 99, 98, 95 and 92 there wasn't no such thing as social media. So they weren't able to get these movies out on certain platforms for the simple fact of like people not seeing it. They're only, I'm pretty sure they only was even put in certain theaters at the time. So that's the only point I'm trying to make today. So I hope I got my point across. Um, so listen, 
I appreciate everyone who take the time out to listen to this podcast. Um, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate the team, you know, when it comes to Scoots Bronson, when it comes to JD, when it comes to E. Carter, when it comes to Siege, man, I appreciate all of those guys, man. Most importantly, man, I appreciate my guy, uh, Casey. Um, you know, the music that you hear, the intro, couldn't think of it, uh, that you hear. Uh, he done all of that. Like I said, he's working on some new stuff, so hopefully we're able to, uh, to bring that to y'all very, very soon. But, um, you know what I'm saying? The podcast is going to keep it pushing, man. Just because it's a new calendar year, I'm still going to be coming out, you know what I'm saying, with more content. So I appreciate everyone who took the time out to uh, listen to this podcast. Hopefully, y'all appreciate this podcast. Uh, give me some feedback, man. If, if, if y'all think I'm completely nuts, you think I'm completely wrong on what I'm saying, hit me up and let me know, man. I would love to hear some feedback. But, um... But that's all I got for this episode, man. Um, this was episode 110 of the 28 Minutes or Less podcast. Um, until the next time, your boy is out. <laughs>